0: we we'll Welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateria and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and pal Taylor Wells. And this week, we've got another very special guest for you, Zelda Dungeon's own Dave Wayne Nystrom. How are you doing, man? Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad to be here. So we are uh, we are going to be talking. We're going to be talking a lot about Fire Emblem today, and I know that I can hear some people groaning in their listening to a Zelda podcast and they want to hear some Zelda stuff, luckily for you, we are going to be talking about our ideal Zelda game and how it would translate into that Fire Emblem uh, style of world or style of gameplay. And you know what? Since I think all three of us here are just really in love with the game, and, I, I you know, this game is just taking over... Uh, Nintendo fans and Twitter and everything like that. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Fire Emblem Three Houses towards the end of the show. So I'll give you guys a warning when we're about to start talking Fire Emblem. And uh, if you're not into Fire Emblem, you're just here for this all the stuff. That's cool. We can you can sign off there. If not, stick around and we'll talk some Three Houses because uh, we've all we've all got some pretty pretty strong opinions on it. We've uh, we've all played between the three of us. We've played every house's story. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I think. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it because I'm, like, literally addicted to this game. I think I'm on hour 75 of Fire Emblem Three Houses right now. So uh, it's, it's been a while since a game has hooked me like this. Maybe not even since Breath of the Wild. Addiction is
1: real, and it's Fire Emblem.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely say this is probably my favorite Fire Emblem since um, chugging through Radiant Dawn way, way back when. Um, Shoutouts to Roy, who... Was introduced into. It was actually introduced to the world, I think, um, through Melee, because it came out before his game came out. But, yeah, this one is. That is correct. This one is a solid, solid Fire Emblem title.
0: Yeah, so, um, I guess. You know what, actually, before before we really get going with um, Fire Emblem here, there's a few loose ends uh, from last week and just some tidbits that uh, we should tidy up um so last week we played a game of 20 questions and actually the episode got delayed because old taylor here had some uh, internet issues but we eventually got you the episode and uh taylor what was the feedback you got on the 20 questions concept i know that we asked everybody if they'd like to see it become a regular thing or not um i got some good feedback what about you
2: So far, I've heard nothing but good things. Like it seems, pretty much, almost everybody has really enjoyed it and had a really good time with us. I think some people were actually playing along with us too, which was really cool. Uh, So it's definitely something I think we should do in the future.
1: I I was playing along. I didn't do good. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, it's hard when you're when
0: you're on the spot like that. You know, I I think that we got some good questions that uh, eventually kind of nailed it down like does this come out or did this guy start in a game before this year is he in multiple Zelda games so maybe we need to lower it to 15 questions cuz i think by the end we were doing pretty good
2: we refined it down to a science but then again like there were a couple of times where we started picking some oddball characters where you know we got pretty close to the, the 20th question i think
0: that yeah that's true if you ask me a character from triforce heroes i'd be dead pretty much any character that uh, that you that was from that game but uh, yeah we're really glad that you guys um, enjoyed that concept uh, I think you know what I think it's definitely gonna come back in the future we had a lot of fun doing it uh, it, was, it was kind of an it, it almost felt like a break from the regular shows that we do so um, I'm glad that everybody liked it it was it really was a lot of fun to do and, it's also really uh, great for I when
2: think... we have no news or anything like that so you know
0: yeah which is most weeks actually so I think yeah <laughs> There you go. We do um, actually have... I was going to... You know what? I was going to save it, but that segue was too good. We do have a little bit of news this week, and it's something that just tickled me. So, making the rounds across Twitter and across the internet was an old Nintendo Power article from, like, 1990 or something like that, and they're interviewing Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff, and uh, they're they're trying to really shill... Nintendo Power is interviewing them, I should say. They're trying to really shill, like the new NBA game, and the new um, NHL game, and stuff like that, and DJ Jazzy Jeff is really into NBA courtside, but, like, Will Smith, all this guy could talk about is Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. He brings it up, like, three different times in this interview, and it keeps steering the game, or the conversation towards A Link to the Past. It's, like, it's it's super cute, and it's, like, really, I don't know, it was, it made me smile as, like, a, as a fan of Zelda, because I've always been a big Will Smith fan, and to, so like, know that he also is bumping Link to the Past. I was like, all right, I love this.
1: I think any celebrity connection to Zelda is always fun and always just makes you a little giddy.
2: Watching that interview, it actually reminded me a lot of uh, when I used to work at GameStop back when I was 18, 19. Um, Oh, all the way over in the Century City Mall here in L.A. And uh, Will Smith was one of the people who used to come in to that mall specifically a lot, uh, but he also came into the GameStop a couple of times, and it was always fun seeing kind of like his his take on how games have kind of changed since you know he was he was playing them, and when you know kids nowadays are playing them because he's got two kids, Willow and uh, Jaden, right, and both of them are also pretty avid gamers from what I hear. So it was it was always uh, fun. What
0: do you think Jaden plays? I, I bet you. I bet you Jaden plays Apex Legends.
2: You think he plays Apex over Fortnite? Yeah, I do. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um. You know what? As soon as Apex Legends came out, actually, my friends who used to be addicted to Fortnite only play Apex now. So, I don't know. Has, has is is Fortnite kind of lost a lot of its luster?
2: isn't apex legends like more so of an overwatch type game than it is fortnite though or am I completely off the track here
0: no i I think it's more so um destiny meets meets fortnite but uh oh okay i guess I guess that's neither here nor there obviously neither one of us know what we're talking about so let's just move on um I promised last week that uh I would I would read off some iTunes reviews if you guys that are listening to the show were gracious enough to uh, to go and give us some. And I forgot to do it, but by God, I'm going to do it this week. And uh, we got a couple five-star reviews. I'm not going to read them all. I'm just going to read a few. Um, but I really appreciate them. So here we go. Um, the first five-star review is from iGeek256. He says, love this podcast. I don't have many great sources for Zelda News, despite there being a few. And this podcast is entertaining as well as giving you... All the latest news. And uh, you know what? I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. This is another five-star review from Schwanny Man, which is just an amazing name. Uh, Great podcast. 10 out of 10 would recommend, he says. I look forward to this every single week. It's so fun to listen to these guys theorize and break down all the latest news about Zelda. Their passion for the series that shaped me into the man I am is contagious, and it makes me feel like part of the Zelda Dungeon family. And you know what? That's really cool. I think that's what we're going for. Did so we shape
2: someone? That. Did we actually shape someone? No,
0: the series shaped him. Oh. And we just, we like it as well.
2: Can't we, can't we say we, both? We,
0: we, we haven't shaped anybody. No. Oh. You
2: shaped me. You shaped Ooh. me. <laughs> Thank you, David. <laughs>
0: appreciate that, David.
2: You're welcome.
1: <laughs> Thank you. All right. Be um, unbiased. You know, I,
0: I guess we should say, too, like, um, David has been a, a longtime supporter of our show, and... Uh, you know, David, uh, let's, let's do a little bit of shilling for yourself here as well. You have a Zelda podcast of your own, do you not?
1: Yes, I do. Um, uh, why, don't you,
0: why don't you tell us a little bit about
1: it? Sure. Um, so, for those of you who are familiar with the Zelda timeline, you know, there's this, there's the, the infamous uh, split. Um, you have the, the downfall timeline, the child timeline, the adult timeline. In the adult timeline, you go from Ocarina of Time to the Wind Waker. And there's this little gap in between um, that's... The story of it is shown as a prologue to The Wind Waker. And it's called The Arrow Without a Hero. Well, a few years ago, I was having a conversation with a friend, and we were talking about what our ideal Zelda game would look like. And I thought, this this chunk here, this Arrow Without a Hero, I didn't like that idea, because I felt like there had to be some sort of some sort of fight against Ganon, some sort of somebody trying to stand up and save Hyrule from impending doom. And I I took that idea and ran with it. And after a few years, it became just a full-fledged story. And so my podcast, The Arrow Without a Hero, is that story. It does not involve Link. So if you're looking for Link stories, you're in the wrong place. Um, Because there is no hero um, as in the hero of time, there is no hero there to stop Ganon, who is worthy to stop Ganon, and that's ultimately why the gods flooded the world. So, my my podcast, my story is an exploration of that timeline, of that little time in between the end of essentially the end of Ocarina of Time and the beginning of The Wind Waker. What happened there, and what it looked like. Very interesting. And it's, For
0: anybody. For anyone listening, it's actually um, there is a novelized version of this as well and that's available on zeldadungeon.net. If if people wanted to go and check out your podcast, where can they uh, where can they head?
1: Um, search The Arrow Without a Hero and it'll pop up in pretty much all podcast places. I know Apple iTunes, uh, Google Cast, Spotify, um most but yeah, most places that a podcast show up. You should be able to find it.
2: It's fantastic. There you go. So-
0: yeah, anyone, um, you know, anyone looking for another show to, to fill in the time, uh, if you do a lot of driving or need something to listen to work, go and check that out. Um, or if I've you're been, just as I've curious as David
2: it. is about that, that whole time period, you know?
0: Yeah, like I, I've been reading it, and uh, I, I think I've caught up to the story thus far, and it's definitely, um, it's definitely really cool. So anybody listening, check that out. Support a friend of our show, and uh, yeah, I don't think that you're going to regret doing that at all. Uh, Okay, let's talk some Zelda and Fire Emblem. Are you guys ready?
2: Let's do it.
0: Okay, so obviously, you know, Fire Emblem Three Houses has come out and is taking over the world. And uh, the three of us have been playing it a lot. So naturally, the conversation steers towards how would a Zelda game work in this setting or aesthetic? And, and you know, I think we've talked about it a little bit before on the show here and there. But never really a full deep dive into it. And uh, that's something that I wanted to do this week because I think all this stuff is just like really fresh on our brains between playing, you know, a lot of Zelda games for the marathon, between playing three houses. I think that the, the best of both worlds is, is really fresh. So I wanted to explore that. And I guess maybe for anyone listening out there that is just unaware, I'll catch you up really quickly. Fire Emblem is a strategic RPG. So you have your, um, your allotted set of characters. You can move X amount of squares on a grid map. You engage enemies in combat. You can either use, like, your typical spells, swords, axes, whatever. Um, There's a bunch of different classes. If anyone out there is not familiar with Fire Emblem but has played Final Fantasy Tactics, Advance Wars, um, Disgaea, anything like that, that is the kind of game that Fire Emblem is, and that is the kind of game that we are going to be kind of imagining a Zelda game in that realm in. So, um, yeah, let's... uh, Let's get started, and, uh, you know, I think that I wanted to start off talking about units, and what I mean by that is, like, um, when we when we kind of kicked this idea around, we were just like, uh, well, you know what, you, you kind of have, like, a similar idea in Hyrule Warriors, where there's, like, heroes from all the different games, and they're kind of conglomerating, and, and they're meeting up, and they're fighting evil, and you've got kind of a greatest hits of Zelda characters. I don't think i would want that for a zelda fire emblem game my my ideal setting for for characters in your in your playable party would be mostly new characters kind of like the champions i i think i'd be okay with like characters that are reoccurring throughout the series like if you had impa or if you had frick even like beetle or tingle or something like that but i think that character is very specific to like a certain game like a gruce or like a zant or like uh Anything like that, I, I don't think I'd want those characters because that would take me out of the story a little bit. Um, where where do you guys kind of fall on this? What would your would your dream Zelda game in a Fire Emblem style basically look like? Hyrule Warriors Fire Emblem, or, or are we thinking, you know, something a little bit more reined in in terms of all the units that you can select from?
2: You want to weigh in first, David? Sure. I think it
1: kind of depends on where you're building the story around. Like if you just you know threw up a random Zelda game there's going to be hundreds of people going if not thousands going where does this fit on the timeline so looking at it like that maybe like do you fit it in as maybe like the Hyrulean Civil War just before Ocarina of Time so then you have maybe a couple of characters that were specific to that or post Skyward Sword like when they're first exploring you know out into Hyrule then you could have somebody like Groose or Zelda or you know um some of the other characters from that game. So, maybe some specific characters if you want to tie it to another game, but otherwise I would totally agree and say, yeah, make up some new characters, give us some original ones like the champions.
2: It's a very interesting take. I um I mentioned this a f- couple episodes ago about how Fire Emblem kind of has already crossed over with a popular Nintendo franchise, and that was a little game called Pokémon Conquest. And they ended up taking kind of like the the concept of Dynasty Warriors and then mixing it with with Fire Emblem, which is really interesting here because the creators of uh, Three Houses have stated that they were also simultaneously inspired by um the three, the romance of the three kingdoms novels and the dynasty warriors series that was spawned from it um, and i think that when you're talking about characters showing up in in these crossovers you do need to have some sense of familiarity because without it like you know most fans are going to come into it and say like well okay this is a zelda game but where are all these you know Zelda characters that I'm familiar with, so I think a good a, a mix or a balance, like maybe not necessarily have you, you know, recruiting Link into your into your army, but you know him showing up and saying, hey, you know, here's a mission for you or something like that, and then, you know, you can recruit the newer characters that you're introducing to the series. I think that might lend itself a little bit more towards a uh, interesting and playable. Playable uh, crossover.
0: Yeah, you know, I was um, maybe I was a little bit too vague. I, I mostly meant units in terms of like support units. I guess I would actually be totally fine with Link being the main playable character in a in a game like this. I would be fine with Zelda being a playable character. Um, you know, I'd be I'd be fine with with Sheik, with Impa, anything like that.
2: I well, I would say no because like this is something that I was thinking about too in terms of story was that. It it's hard because the Zelda franchise focuses a lot on kind of like the the solo story where, um, you know, it, it's Link or it's you know Tingle in the case of Tingle's Rosy Rupee Land, you know, going through this this story kind of almost on their own while stuff is happening, you know, in other parts of the area or the other parts of the world. Um, and if you're if you're trying to bring Fire Emblem into into Zelda, that story doesn't quite work as well. So if you if you put like Linkers or, or Zeldas as like recruitable into your army, it it seems just a little off to me. I don't know, maybe I'm crazy.
1: Well, if you think about like Yeah,
0: I, I think of... you're overthinking it.
2: Yeah,
1: I'm thinking like if you take Ocarina of Time for example, Link while yes, it's a solo story, but at the end of it he has all these allies that have helped him that literally help him make a bridge to Ganon's tower. Or, um, you know, when think of the Wind Waker where he's got the king with him the whole time. Or uh, Twilight Princess, he has Midna with him. So it's not strictly a solo story that where stuff is happening around him. He has characters and allies that help him out at different times.
2: No, but it's a relatively small thing. Like, we're talking one to three people here. Or in the case of Ocarina of Time, yes, you awaken all the sages, but they don't really play a part until the the end of it in terms of actually doing something. So like, I think when you're, cause like in Fire Emblem, for example, three houses, like you, you start off with this group of people. You've got, you know, your dad, you've got uh, you know, all the people in the house that you choose. And you know, you're, you're constantly progressing through the story. It's Like you are pretty much, and you know, if you include recruiting, the mercenaries and stuff like that, you are essentially an army and, you you don't have that same kind of effect in most of the Zelda games that you play. You know, the exception of maybe A Link to the Past where they mention the Sealing Wars and stuff like that, or in Ocarina of Time when it's mentioned that the, the King's Army was routed and defeated by Ganondorf and all that stuff. But, you know, for the most part, when you're playing, it's like you only have a couple of people that you're usually actively with at any given time. And in Fire Emblem games, like, you're with large groups of people. <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I still disagree with you. I I think having Link as a playable character as like the playable lead would be fine. I I mean, you just have to put him at a disadvantage, right? Like if you have 20 characters that you could choose from, you need to be fighting 60 or you need to be fighting a hundred or like something like that. Like as long as he's fighting, as long as Link is the underdog, I, I think that that's fine. I mean, like David said, you have, you know, you have the champions in Breath of the Wild, you have the sages in Ocarina of Time and they, they don't directly help you. Yes. But I, like I think for the context of a spinoff like this like you're obviously playing to get that style of gameplay but I think that people like you said for a spin-off like they want to identify as like as Link or Zelda I, I could maybe I could maybe be persuaded to leave Link out but I think like Zelda especially would be a critical character to have as like kind of the leader of those armies cuz like, you you see her be a princess a lot of the times but you never really see her you know, command a kingdom or command an army or command sure. anything like that. So what I mean, if she was the, I, I, what yeah. if she
1: was the character you play as then? Well, you, know, you And then you, yeah, do have to I, I could, Link, I could be
0: convinced to leave Link out of it. I think uh, maybe that's fine, but I, I would feel definitely strongly that, you know, you definitely want Zelda. I think that you probably do want Link, but well, uh, most importantly, you want Tingle
2: let's put it into a little bit of perspective. So like David pointed out with the era without a hero, you know, this is a, that was a time period where it seems unlikely that nobody would have stepped up to the plate to try and do something, whether they succeeded or not. But, you know, it's unlikely that they would have someone who didn't step up. So it feels to me like if we're going to do like a Fire Emblem crossover with this kind of thing, we should absolutely create kind of like an original character um, in the vein of most Fire Emblem games, like, you know, Byleth and, and Korin and all them. Um, and, sure, have them interact with with main Zelda characters. Like you said, like, we've we've never seen Zelda kind of leading an army before outside of maybe Hyrule Warriors. So, you know, have her be the one, you know, be kind of like the Lady Rhea, except not the other half of that uh, you know, have her be kind of like the 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 Gerald or the Lady Ray, the you know, the person kind of overseeing your development as as a character and kind of overseeing your your army's, uh orders, development, deployment, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, you could maybe have Link be like recruitable as someone who can kind of join you for select fights and stuff like that. And he just talks and dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah. Every every command is dot dot dot. Right.
1: <laughs> Well, I
0: guess, uh, so let's talk about, um, like, a story, or, like, a loose story, I guess. Or, or maybe setting would be the better word. Like, I ideally, like, a lot of these crossover, or a lot of these um, spin-off games, for lack of a better word, exist outside of the main Zelda timeline, like Cadence of Hyrule and Hyrule Warriors, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I don't know that I'd want to see, like, this game take place in, like, the official Zelda timeline, necessarily.
2: So you'd but, have to be an offshoot, uh, I, like high Warriors?
0: I yeah, I don't know. I I could be convinced either way. To me, to me, like all spinoff games, ideally just don't affect what's going on in the main, like in the main story or the main timeline. But like, I, you know, I could be convinced. Like you guys were saying, like if it's kind of like a side story, like almost like a, let's call it the Rogue One. Of the Zelda universe, uh, to make a Star Wars analogy, like I I could probably be convinced of that. I don't know. Do you guys have any strong opinions about where this hypothetically t- could take place?
1: It's same same kind of thing. Like I'm I'm I could go either way. Like I, I pointed out, like the the Herulian Civil War that they talk about at the beginning of Ocarina of Time, or the Deku Tree talks about in during Ocarina of Time that happened just before, or you know maybe post Skyward Sword where whether you're where they're first exploring Hyrule, the, or the what would become Hyrule, um, but I could also see doing that offshoot, something totally disconnected, and just letting the letting the creators go hog wild and make all these original characters, and then not have to worry about, well, does this fit in with this? Does this line up with that? And as somebody yeah, who's I'd... written something that deals with, okay, how does this line up with that? You know, that's a lot of work. <laughs>
2: I definitely agree that there is a great sense of freedom in, you know, just keeping a spin-off game a spinoff and not having to worry about canon.
0: I I think that the story should serve your your playable units and stuff like that in the sense that like I think that this game would probably be better. Um, it, it, we'll get into classes here in just a second, but like let's say that you have a Zora character that has different abilities than your Goron character, then has different different abilities than your than your Rito character. And Gerudo character, like etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, like, I would want to see all of those different types of characters, um, into the same setting, so that every character just didn't feel like, you know, Swordman A, B, C, and D, like Fire Emblem characters do in Super Smash Bros. But rather, they have like a personality of their own. So, I, I feel like the story should serve, you know, however we get there. So, like I, like I wouldn't want kind of a cheap Hyrule Warriors time portal kind of deal, but.
2: Yeah, um, I, yeah, I see what you're going with with that, and I think um, a really great place, if you absolutely wanted to make it canon, you could cover the ceiling war, because it's something that's really only talked about, and originally when Ocarina of Time came out it was supposed to depict the ceiling war, but then everybody picked it apart and was like, yeah, this doesn't make sense, and so they kind of retconned it to being after Ocarina of Time during the downfall. And it's how, like, the sages manage to seal Ganon away, but then he breaks out in the Sacred Realm and then starts to take it over and creates the Dark World. Um, And there's supposedly this whole war that happens between Ganon's, you know, creations and his monsters and all, and his own soldiers, whatever, that end up fighting, you know, the Hylian army or, or whoever is involved there. And I think that if you created this type of game, it would suit that kind of scenario very well.
0: Yeah, I think that'd be fine. Um, Like I said, kind of let's let the characters dictate where the story goes. And I guess one thing for characters too, I kind of mentioned about like the different species and how they could have different abilities. I think that I would maybe diversify the classes a little bit Taylor, I think that you said this before we started uh, recording, but I've noticed this in three houses that the class system seems to be a little bit more tight and narrow. Like you don't have as many branching out options. It seems like everybody has like, you know, they have one or maybe two beginner classes they can go to. And then you have one or two more advanced ones then one or two master ones. And it's like, you don't have a same kind of, uh, tree branch i guess for classes as you did in previous games so i would ideally want like a zelda game to kind of follow that free-flowing customizable class system i don't know that you necessarily have to have like like a thief class or sword master class or whatever but just like something to differentiate the the characters and everything like that a little bit even more so yeah it definitely feels like
2: Yeah, I definitely I, I totally agree. It, it really feels in three houses and I don't I don't know why they decided to do this. It's it works just fine, but it feels a lot like when you're looking at all your units and determining kind of like what what growth pattern you want them to take or, or where you want them to end up in the game that like if you want a certain character to be a certain class and they don't have, you know, any of the starting attributes or uh, skills that kind of lend itself towards that, like, you really have to go out of your way to get them to get to that point. Um, and I think that would really not be a good thing for a for a Zelda crossover. I think you'd have to definitely return to the older older system of, of classes. And then also the the thematic element of it, you'd have to change some of them, not all of them, like, you could still have, like, maybe Lord or Knight or you know, Fortress Knight, whatever. But like things like Pegasus Knights and stuff like that would kind of have to be thematically changed a bit.
0: That'd be too bad. I like Peg- Pegasus Knights, and especially the Wyvern Knights. Those are those are awesome.
2: Well, you could always have him ride a Goron or something. Uh, I don't know. The Goron yeah, that's knights.
1: true. Or ride, yeah, or, or ride a Zora like Prince Sidon.
2: Yes. Oh
1: yeah, that,
0: Azora,
2: A on
1: night Knight, Sidon Knight. That was that was really good.
0: All right, tell me what you guys think about this idea that I had last night while I was thinking about content for this show. So I was playing Fire Emblem Three Houses, and I was using um, Catherine, and she has this this amazing sword called Thunderbrand, and you know this thing is like unstoppable, but
2: the old relic weapons
0: it breaks after 30 hits, not yeah. like the weapons in legend of Zelda breath of the wild. So I was like, man, you know, what would be so cool is if in a fire emblem style of game we had in place of paralogs. And for anybody that doesn't know paralogs are like kind of side missions. So what if instead of paralogs for a Zelda fire emblem game, you had like dungeon logs, let's just call them. And like, you got to, you got to do these separate dungeons and they're really, really hard, but If you can beat them, you get one weapon that doesn't break, ever. So I'm thinking that you could get, like, a hookshot, or you could get, like, the fire rod, or you could get, like, um, a magic spell or something like that, and, like, just have some kind of reward for going through this dungeon and, and beating it, but also make it so that it doesn't, you know, gradually break down over time. And then that's a way that you could kind of incorporate some of the classic... Legend of Zelda items into that. Um, what, do, what do you guys think of this? Is this yay,
2: nay? Mm. I'm trying to think. Like, I don't know that... Well, okay, so, like, would this just be a combat-focused dungeon, or would there be, like, actual puzzles to it? Because I think, like, if you're trying to rec- recreate the, the concept of you know, playing through a Zelda game and going through all of our classic dungeons and stuff like that. There's, there's got to be some. It, it can't just be go in, kill something and and be done with it.
0: Well, I mean, like you, you're. You, that's kind of a disservice to some of the Fire Emblem maps, though, because like some of them are fairly intricate. There's like different areas that you could take. You can warp to different points. There's, there's some that are very maze-like. Like, I mean, you could really make it tactically
1: what you speaking. Want, yes, but. They're... There was one that was a par- the paralogue that I just played last night. Um, that was literally a quest for a weapon, and it was just a giant turtle-like boss at the at the end of it. And it was kind of a maze because everything was shrouded in fog. So you have that kind of puzzle thing there. I don't know. Maybe you could work work in pushing blocks like the old 2D things, but you know, instead of attacking something, you would spend your attack turn if you want to call it that, like pushing the blocks to create something.
0: I mean, like, yeah, there, there are options that you could get it done. I don't know that I'd necessarily like make, uh, I don't think puzzles would be an important part of like this quote unquote dungeon log. Um, And I know that some people might, you know, dump all over that, but like, I think that as long as you have kind of like a boss character at the end, it's difficult and it can be themed in a certain way. So like you'd have your, your fire dungeon or your your air dungeon or whatever. I, I think that that would get the idea across. Well, like, still, you know, still making sure that you're playing a Fire Emblem-style Zelda game where, like, you know, you do have a map and you do have to take out your enemies and stuff like that. So, I, I don't know. I thought it would be kind of like a neat little bridge between the two series.
2: I, I think it can definitely work. You'd... You just have to figure out what what the balance is and and how to go about it. I, I don't know that I could um, so I'm just I, I guess I'm just having a hard time seeing how that how that would play out i I definitely think it could, could be done. I just don't know how.
0: well like I, I just think it's like a regular map, but it just has a boss at the end like I, I don't think that you need puzzles necessarily.
2: Okay, well, there should there be something, like, in, in this dungeon other than just, like, a relic weapon? Like, could like maybe, like, a, a specific item that you need to class somebody up, or a specific, um, like, or a dungeon item, like, you know, the hookshot or, or a bow or something like that. I don't know, like...
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, if, if you beat the dungeon, you'd get the dungeon item. Right. And, like, but... you could take that back with you and use it.
2: Right, but can we take that a step further and say, okay, you acquire, like there. I feel like there should be an end game reward for beating the the dungeon, but also there should be like something you find in the dungeon or you have to find in the dungeon, like in order to help. Yeah, like in order to help beat well, the dungeon or or whatever.
1: I mean, there's there are keys on some of the maps already in Fire Emblem, so that's not a, too much of a stretch to bring that in. But like right. maybe maybe you could have to like, um, okay, think in um, Twilight Palace and Twilight Princess where you had the big orbs that you had to run down, bring back. You like you could do oh something God. like that. <laughs> <laughs> you could do something kind of like that. Sorry, Andy. I know Twilight Princess is still a little uh-huh. sore. Yeah, it always <laughs> but, will be. But like you could you could maybe have to okay you have to go down this corridor hit a switch down here to open a passage to another switch and then do something like that. So you could you kind of tying in puzzles with another Zelda element, but and let's say you maybe picked up like a special a special bow and another level that allows you to do some kind of trick shot that you could hit the switch earlier and then you have like this bypass if you have this weapon. I don't know. I, I mean yeah,
0: you you could you could almost you could do as well like um you have to fight through hordes of enemies to get. Let's just call it the hookshot. You grab the hookshot, but the condition to beat the map is you got to beat the dungeon boss. But like all your weapons don't do diddly against it, except for the hookshot, which does like four times damage or something like that. I think that you know that could maybe serve the purpose that you're looking for too, Taylor.
2: You know, like I said, I I'm willing to to give it a shot, and I think that that would it would be an interesting element. I'm just i'm just not sure how it would play out i you know i'm i'm down to down to have it seems like a an interesting concept that could totally turn out to be something really really cool and interesting
0: um let's talk about combat here just for a a brief second because i i think if you're asking me combat is is mostly okay the way that it is in fire emblem just translating straight over to zelda um I think that most of it like literally translates over one for one. you've got your sword fighters, you've got your archers, you've got your magic users, et cetera et cetera. Um, maybe you could do some special weaponry for like the the rito or the the zoras, but like I think by and large, like combat really wouldn't have to be something that's tweaked to a large degree
2: i I definitely agree with that. I think um yeah fire emblem's always kind of done combat pretty well i think and there is there isn't a whole lot of translation that needs to be done i just think uh as i mentioned before that maybe some thematic elements just need to be adjusted and other than that you're pretty much good to go
1: would you want to bring back the weapons triangle of older fire emblem games that's present but not highlighted in three houses i know that that's I from Awakening, I remember there was a very distinct. You know, you had the very, very, uh, di- very laid out triangle of this beats this, this beats this, this beats this. The rock paper scissors format. And yeah. would you want something like that possibly in Zelda? Like, okay, light magic beats dark magic, but dark magic, you know, or vice versa, or something, something kind of like that. You mean you see that in Pokemon, too, where, okay, fire beats grass, grass beats water, water beats fire. You have that triangle kind of present in a lot of RPGs. How, just, I'm wondering, I'm wondering what that would look like maybe within the Zelda universe.
0: I don't know. Like, that's tough. I You know what? I'm never, it's funny that you brought up Pokemon, actually, because I was about to say I'm never a fan of the triangle system of, like, like I wasn't a fan of that in Fire Emblem Awakening but I love it in Pokemon so but I like I feel like Pokemon has a different advantage where there's like each Pokemon has is, is a type but like you can mix and match your types and like cancel out some of those weaknesses where like in Fire Emblem it's just like okay you got a lance well my axe is going to demolish you but like the sword's going to mess me up so it's just I I don't know so it's it's more so like which units do you send in it's you know it makes for makes for better strategy and strategic placement but i i don't know how that translates over to zelda i'd maybe say like you know the three main weapons in zelda are would be like your swords your magic and your bows but i think that like you know we're, we're used to fire emblem kind of teaching us that like bows are really good against pegasus knights which don't exist in zelda or, or don't yet exist in zelda and um you know, magic is really good against heavy armored units and, um, and rider units. So I I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I'd like to see it really placed a, a big emphasis on like the, the weapon triangle. I think that for me, I just like it better when I know that, okay, my character is powered up. He's powerful. If I have a weapon that can give him a slight advantage, great. But like, I don't want to have some unit that's like 10 levels lower than me beat me just because he has a spear and I have an axe.
2: Here's a good idea. Uh, Since we're talking about Zelda, what is Zelda without the Triforce? And I think that we could kind of translate that into Fire Emblem by having maybe each unit identify with a certain part of the Triforce. So you can have some units that are kind of, like, imbued with the power of the Triforce Power. Some are with Courage, some are with Wisdom. And they don't necessarily give you, like, these giant bonuses like you're talking about, you know, you have bows versus Pegasus Knights or, you know, Cavalry versus Infantry Units. But they're, they're enough to make things interesting. Like, you have to decide, okay, should I go with maybe a primarily power-focused team or should I go with a Courage-based team? Like, which which ones you know having that tactical element or or strategic element where you where it matters kind of how you approach it but at the end of the day you know your your skill as a as a player is still going to matter the most
1: i had this idea of building off of that like if, if you send in a unit that's using the like the triforce of courage they gain a buff by attacking by themselves or something like that
2: right like uh, dedu who's one of the units in the in the blue lion route uh, you know whenever he moves if he if he just waits on his turn you know wherever he he ends up he gets he gets a small buff to his to his resistance for that for that turn so it could be kind of like a similar thing where depending on which, which triforce piece your your unit identifies with they get certain bonuses depending on what actions they do
0: Mm, it yeah it, that's okay I, I I don't know that I'm in love with that idea just because like you know first of all like does does wisdom beat courage or something like that does uh, I don't think it power? necessarily
1: I don't think it necessarily has to be like that i don't I don't think that's I don't think that's what you're saying is it Taylor yeah
2: yeah, uh, I mean, you. I theoretically you could go that route, but no, I'm thinking more along the lines of like each each one has their individual benefits. They don't necessarily like counter one another, but they are certainly useful for specific situations or certain situations.
0: Yeah, okay, I could, I could, I could buy that without like without them directly countering one another. I'd be more on board for that because like, um, even in three houses, you have uh, when you're when you're looking at your. Um, add-on units. What are they called again when you have like the guys that you compare? Adjutants? Yeah. Yes. So you have ones that will guard you, ones that will heal you, and ones that will fight for you. So I I think like that kind of idea is more so what I'd want to see based off the Triforce idea. Which I, I like that you bring that up.
2: And I think you could also kind of flavorize it too. So like for example, if your unit is um, you know, quote-unquote, blessed by the Triforce of Wisdom, like, maybe they get a plus two to magic, you know, whenever they can cast a certain type of spell. Um, or if their courage, you know, if they use all of their movement in a given turn to reach an enemy and then attack that enemy, they get plus two might or, you know, something like that. Like, not, nothing huge that will sweepingly change the battlefield, but something that, you know, makes you... Think a little bit about how you use your units.
0: Um, all right, so let's talk about how this game would look. There is there is a million different art styles in the Legend of Zelda series. Fire Emblem has always been traditionally like an anime type of a series. I think if I were to pick an art style for this game, it would also just follow the Fire Emblem anime style. Um, you know, have have Zelda, which is always kind of bordered on that very anime presentation anyways just like fully dive right into it but maybe hone back some of the more ridiculous fire emblem anime uh cliches if you will but i I think that (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think like in in, it appearances is, is crucial in order to get over the idea of like what kind of game that you have so i i think that zelda taking the anime aesthetic route would kind of reinforce like okay this is not your typical zelda game it is actually a spin off in the world of fire emblem who we identify with uh, this kind of presentation like um i don't know necessarily that i'd want to look at some of the characters in this zelda fire emblem game and say like okay is this guy from the latest fire emblem game or is he from this up and coming zelda off? but i think that like having that kind of presentation is, is helpful
2: i think again to Depending on whether you're going with, um, with like canon or or not canon or just spin off, whatever, like you, you can kind of make a an altered decision on that. But honestly, I think that Breath of the Wild has probably one of my favorite art styles of any Zelda game to date, um, and it already kind of that. it already kinds of kind of blends that that anime style into it. So I think that if you if you if we have this Fire Emblem Zelda crossover, they could, they could theoretically use the Breath of the Wild aesthetic and be just fine, like it wouldn't look out of place.
0: You know, like they could though, but then you kind of get the idea that oh okay, this is a Breath of the Wild game. It plays like Breath of the Wild. Whereas like I think you need something to kind of differentiate it from that to make sure that people don't come into this just being like oh okay, it's Breath of the Wild. DLC or something like that, and then they're just like, What the hell is this game? I
1: I think if I think that comes down to like marketing differently, like depending on how you market it, um, you
2: could, yeah, for sure. You
1: know, if you market it as you know, just you know, doing these atmospheric shots, yeah, everybody's gonna think it's Breath of the Wild 3 or Breath of the Wild DLC or whatever, but if you if you market it as you know. Fire emblem Zelda then you know and show these you know show these combat sequences show these character dialogues show the support stuff show a little bit of more of that focus more of that in the marketing aspect of it then I don't think anybody's going to come into it thinking oh it's you know another breath of the wild or another mainline thing if it's marketed well then they'll hopefully under pick up on that and be like oh okay yeah i get it
2: yeah, I'm going to bring it back to Pokémon Conquest that already kind of executed this kind of combination in that, you know, the it was definitely recognizable as a Fire Emblem game, but it was also very recognizable as, you know, a Pokémon offshoot. And the art style for the Pokémon didn't really change all that much. Um, and, I mean, I guess that's also because Pokémon originally right.
0: it's, it's, a, it's a 2d game and like the pokemon
2: well and also it, the art style of pokemon has always been pokemon. anime yeah
0: right exactly so but, like like pokemon conquest had very anime style characters that look like they belong in fire emblem games which is like basically but what that's I'm the to, I, thing ju- I feel like it's important to have them to have the characters of this Zelda game look different than like your typical Zelda game.
2: But but hold on, like if you, you can take that same approach, but look at Ocarina of Time. Like all of Ocarina of Time's official art is extremely anime. Like the the way Link right, is drawn, yeah, I... you know, even even in game, like especially with with uh, the 3DS remake, like you you could totally see that coming straight out of anime. Then Breath of the Wild takes it a step further. Cell shades uh, stuff in a better way, I think, than, than Wind Waker did, and Wind Waker looked pretty good, too. So, like, they, they just, they evolved it, and they said, okay, we're going to combine the real... Because they did it with Skyward Sword too, trying to combine realistic with uh, with the cel-shade. And then Breath of the Wild just kind of went, okay, in order to make this look right, we got we kind of got an anime-esque uh, style in order to, to combine it well. So... It already lends it like I feel like overall the Zelda series kind of already lends itself to that that particular art.
0: Uh yeah, I agree. I just I want them to take it like a maybe like a, a one step further. And just, well, how uh, would you, know, you do
2: it? How I, would you do it?
0: I think that it would be, you know, not to not to rip off like Fire Emblem here. Uh, not that we're you know not making a game based off Fire Emblem, but like I I feel like you have to have like the the animated character artwork that they that they kinda have appear and just very like market it as like a very different looking game. Like Breath of the Wild has I agree with you, that's my favorite aesthetic I think for the entire Zelda series, but it it has a unique look of its own. I think I'd make it more like this Fire Emblem Zelda game, make it a little bit more two D art, like two D anime style, not three D anime, if that makes sense. Could you go back um, to the
1: the Hyrule Warriors art style? Because they had those little um, those little animation boxes when there was dialogue, sometimes you would see like the, the characters' icons. Yeah, the sprite, the faces of these characters, and there was yeah. that was still fairly anime.
0: Uh, Hyrule Warriors, I thought was okay. Um, I I don't know. I I would I would really hope that they would like they would make it in the same kind of aesthetic that like Fire Emblem Awakening was. Like picture the Fire Emblem Awakening box art, but like Link and Zelda. I think that'd be the sweetest box art of all time. And just base your game like that, just so that it, just so that it looks different from your typical, you know, Zelda game. Like think about when a Super Mario RPG came out, it had a different and distinct look from your typical Mario game, which I think is like important. Like, like, yes, it was, it was also 2D, but it was just like the presentation was just a little bit different. So I think that that's important to get across the idea that this is like a different kind of Zelda game. I don't know if that makes any sense.
2: I get what you're going for, but I think any art team led by you would hate you at this point.
0: Probably. I lead a podcast team and you hate me, don't you?
2: Hate's a strong word. I think I affectionately (laughs) enjoy disliking you.
0: Uh, You know what game we haven't given a shout-out to on the show since we're talking about tactical RPGs? Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. That is a sick tactical RPG for anyone (laughs) looking to play some Fire Emblem. I'm serious. It's so good.
1: I have to pick that up. I saw it at Target like a couple of days ago it was on sale and I was like maybe I should get it and then it just didn't happen.
2: but look that's all you got to do is stick a rabbit in the game and I'll buy it
0: <laughs> it's It's fantastic. it's an awesome game. Um, so yeah it's just uh, next time you see it on sale for a couple bucks you know if' you're, uh, if you're feeling some fire emblem withdrawal
2: shall we move on?
0: Let's talk about what I think everybody that is wanting a Zelda Fire Emblem game wants to talk about supports and would we have them, what would we do with them, and uh, (laughs) how they would be handled. You know, there is a a user in our Discord who called Fire Emblem Waifu or Waifu Emblem, which I thought was, like, kind of funny because, like, you know, really, really it is in some ways like this. There's like a side game in most Fire Emblem games where it's like, especially Three Houses, where it's like a date simulator. You can ask people out for tea. You can give them gifts. You can you can bond with them. The idea is to get your support rank with each character up from a C to a B to an A to potentially an S. And when you get an S, that means that you marry that character and, uh, that's kind of like a, like a big thing of Fire Emblem was like, who are you going to put who with? So I don't actually, you know, what? I'm going to let you guys go first. What do you, what do you think? Do you want support in Zelda and more specifically, do you want S support in Zelda?
2: So I kind of understand where you come from, Andy, like when reading over your notes and stuff about, you know, support and, and how they work in Fire Emblem but at the same time, I feel like even if you t- took, like, the S support system out of a Fire Emblem Zelda crossover, like, it's not really going to stop people from doing what they already do. I mean, look at look at Breath of the Wild. Like, there is literally nothing in Breath of the Wild that is romantic other than an offshoot conversation in a memory about how Mifa may or may not have the hots for Link and Link... You know, is is clueless and oblivious, and then people are all like, "Man, Seidon and Link, Mm, that's an item. Let's do it." Or you know, whoever else you have, like they they automatically people will just ship people no matter what happens. So I think like they're, I don't I don't know that removing that is really gonna do anything other than ease your troubled conscience about shipping yourself with a fish man.
1: <laughs> so I don't think. I don't think you necessarily need to have the Zelda dating sim aspect of it. I think you could, depending on the story, again, you could say, okay, these characters are clearly going to kind of have romantic feelings for each other. And depending on what you do through the story, that either comes to fruition or it doesn't. And so you either see this, you start getting into the good endings, bad endings, okay endings with characters, depending on their support level. And one thing that came to mind when thinking about this was the end of the original *Link's Awakening*. I don't remember if it was in the DX release. I'm pretty sure it was, and I expect it to be in the new one. When the kiss. you, the, well, uh, not yeah, the kiss. But then also, um, if you, I think if if you made it through the game without dying, you would see a seagull at the end, and that was supposed to be Marin escaping the yeah. spoilers dream world, versus if you died at all or there were some circumstances where you didn't see that and so like you could have something depending on what you did through the game it could affect like okay yes you get to see this good ending for these characters versus you get to see this okay they're they don't hate each other anymore ending for these characters
2: well i think what fire emblem was originally going for when they created the support system was just this this idea of these these soldiers because i mean most fire emblem games is dealing with with militaries in some way shape or form and you know in, in that kind of setting you form relationships you form these camaraderies with the people that you're in the trenches fighting with every day of your lives and you know fire emblem being a fantasy game was still not really all that different you know it was trying to encourage that you know the 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 better you build your bond with your with your fellow uh combatants you know the 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 better you'll perform typically and so the that original idea where you you get these bonuses you know depending on how how much you've built up your relationship with people i think that is that is a fantastic element and I think that should absolutely be kept in the romance aspect of it. You know, yeah, I'm not really huge into the whole waifu simulator thing, but that being said, I do think romance is important to have in your story because it is a very it's a very human thing. It it happens and especially in these grand stories of uh you know, these these different factions just, you know, fighting all over the place and, and you know, these these in Fire Emblem Three Heroes specifically, like these these teenagers and then and then adults getting caught up in this this storm of you know, events beyond their control. Like that stuff is bound to happen. And I think that exploring that isn't necessarily bad. I think some of the people who take that element and then run Go five miles far. with it <laughs> Is a little much. Okay. But you get what I'm saying. So
0: I think that in ninety five percent of the cases in Fire Emblem, the romance between characters is awful. It's cheesy. It's cringeworthy I'm not a huge fan of it. Like so I just gotta I, write it better. I Absolutely like the support system where like you build up support with different units and you fight better. I would absolutely want that to stay in a Zelda Fire Emblem game. However, there, you know, I think that there's one game, and that's Fire Emblem Awakening, when it went all Days of Future Past on us, that really gave you a <laughs> legitimate reason to have couples get together so that they could produce children that would then come back into the past. Like, that was the whole idea in well, that game. they kind game of did that behind... in Fates,
2: too, just less going into the past. You know, you still have right, the child.
0: So... Yes. So, like I'm saying, Awakening is the only game where that really made sense. Because in Fire Emblem Fates, they replicated the same idea, but it was so preposterous how they wrote that, where like their kids went to some like time realm where time passes more slowly, and then they all grew up and and came back and fought with you, and it, it was like ludicrous how it was done. But like Awakening kind of made sense because okay, you know you have. You have children coming back from a horrible future, and uh, with each character from the past that would get uh, S rank with another, they would produce a child, they would come back, etc., etc. So, like, in that setting, okay, I I can understand how, you know, the support system romance angle was necessary. I I don't think that it's necessary in Zelda necessarily. You know, I think you're right. People are going to ship who they want to ship, and that's fine. But, like,. I I never I've never seen it done well in Fire Emblem I think it's always like super cheesy it's always like kind of stuck in this old-fashioned kind of I don't know way where it's it it just it's never something that I really enjoy reading I mostly skip over all the support conversations between you know between everybody in Fire Emblem let alone like the romantic ones so it's uh it's not something that I think I would bring back for Zelda I think that you could maybe find a support that would take the place of an S support where like I I don't know maybe you could have a support where pff, you become best friends or something like that or you you would I don't know share share the Triforce or something but like to me I'm just like god this this romance in, in Fire Emblem is so cheesy and like it, it really is like Like a dating sim, and I just think that would like.
2: So it sounds to me. I I don't know. It
0: it would take away. I think. Well, because like, you have characters in Fire Emblem, and like they're all, they're all kind of like, a lot of them aren't fleshed out characters. They're just kind of types, character types, right? Which is the penalty you pay for having like thirty different playable characters in a game. But like, I don't know. I I just I wouldn't necessarily want that for Zelda. I'd rather have a few. I'd rather have less characters with with more fleshed out personalities, where you don't have to worry about like, okay, like, well, there's there's ten girls on, you know, in my team. Which one of them am I gonna marry? And that's like your whole thing throughout the whole game, you know.
2: Uh, so I, it seems to me like a lot of your issue with with this system is just that like it's just not it's not just, it, it's just not well written. It's just not well thought out or plotted. Um, I, I don't think like it, I agree with you I don't think that it needs to be necessary unless of course you know they happen to pull a Fire Emblem Awakening um, plot where it works out but I think players should still be given the option I think that option is important especially in, in today's day and age where a lot of people are looking for you know that ability to identify um, and have representation in their games
1: they're all looking for love
2: right you know what and it's not like you know as funny as that sounds like it's it's not too off, far off from the truth like you know a lot of the times when you when you don't have some type of romantic element in the game at some point like even if it's just like hints or something like that like a lot of people will like question that for for whatever reason so I
0: mean you can have hints you can you can build up these friendships and stuff like that I just like i'm of the opinion like I, I don't know what what does what does zelda getting married to someone in this game add to the story and maybe it does add to the story and if it does then great then i'm all for it but like in their traditional sense that it's been done in fire emblem in the, the like the, the waifu emblem kind of style where it's like okay i think i'm gonna go after bernadetta because i think she's cute like that absolutely not i, I just think that it's it's kind of lame. It's kind of cliche. A lot of it is in the presentation of how it's done, and it's it is written really cheesy, and that's definitely leaving a sour taste. I think, but like, right? So you, it, you know, I, I guess
1: alter better, better the presentation, r- yeah, better writing, and if there was a reason for it, then you'd be on board with it, basically.
0: Yeah, I I could be convinced if if there was a good reason for it to happen in the game, I could be convinced. I just like I I, I don't see that reason where like you would need all of your characters to be able to like get together with one another. I don't know. I, just, oh, I don't think maybe I'm yeah, having I, a hard time picturing because it it's a Zelda game. And like in this Zelda game, I'm like, okay, well I think that like Tingle and beetle would be playable characters here. So like, who are they going to romance? You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, I think you just said it. Like there's the perfect pairing right there. Right. Uh, Tingle's hills is maps and Beetle's shore. late store later on. I mean, come on.
0: All right. I changed my <laughs> mind. Romance is in baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I still think Mallon and Tingle would make a good couple.
0: Jesus, Mallon and Tingle?
2: What? Yeah. Well, grown up Mallon, not not kid Malin. Did you hear Let's the clarify that?
0: Silence right there?
2: Look. Look. One one is the key to the survival of the fairy race by being a thirty five year old fairy. And then the other one. Is a horse breeder who, through the help of one awkward fairy boy, saves her own ranch and kicks the demented Ingo out. They would make a perfect pairing. Come on, now.
1: Jesus. So,
0: actually... Speaking speaking of Tingle and his love life, uh, as soon as I'm done, my second playthrough of Fire Emblem Three Houses, I'm going to start my playthrough of Ripened Tingle's Balloon Trip of Love. So, we uh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of supports and S-supports, we're going to have some fun with that one. That's going to be on the show in the next couple of weeks. weeks. Um, okay, so I think that we've crafted a pretty cool Zelda Fire Emblem game here. Still a little bit of details to work out, but, um, you know, hey, what uh, what can we say? um let's talk about let's just talk about fire emblem three houses for right now and for anybody listening to the zelda podcast the champions cast here that only wants zelda um tune out you know tune back in next week uh we're gonna be we're gonna be doing some fun stuff but uh if you don't want to hear anything about fire emblem three houses thank you for listening but if you gentlemen are ready let's just spend a little bit of time talking about three houses we have kind of went long here but
2: um exit you know, stage it, left
0: we're we're all uh, we're all big fans, so let's just let's just kind of quickly kick around what we like, what we don't like, and just some notes of um, you know our playthroughs and stuff like that. This is going to be filled, I'm pretty sure, with spoilers. So if you haven't beaten uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, also probably turn off right now because uh, we're gonna spoil it for you. And Taylor hasn't beaten it. I'm looking forward to spoiling it for him. So oh yeah, uh, let's get going here um okay let, let's start off with uh with bailiff is it Bayleth? baileth 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 first of all what a what a crappy name
2: that a is a character. really terrible name
0: uh Bailith. um i you know what this has kind of gone around the internet for a while and uh i I have to say I agree with it i I don't think that he's a very strong lead character, and I do think that it's because he's mute. Um, you know, we have a proud history of silent protagonists, Link, Chrono, Mario, stuff like that, and those characters work in their games. I just feel like after after the example of of Chrom, of Marth, of uh, Corrin, of of Ike, of like these really great Fire Emblem heroes of of Yore, like Byleth is just kind of I don't know, he's just disappointing. Like I was going to say soulless, which is ironic because he literally is heartless or his heart doesn't beat so yeah i don't know what do you what do, what do you guys think degree
1: i agree i feel like it's i i feel like they were trying to make him as blank as possible and the for the same reasons that link was originally silent like they wanted the the player to project themselves onto it, onto him but at the same time there's so many opportunities of like where he could have emotion like like, the moment when Gerald dies, and they make a big deal about him crying, well, that could have caused, like, some kind of emotional awakening in him that, from then on, not saying that he's going to be bawling over everything from then on, but, like, he could be more expressive from then on, like, learn, like, wow, okay, I need to be more communicative, I need to be more human, <laughs> And, and
0: like talk yeah like does anybody else think it's weird that he talks when he levels up but like doesn't talk any yes other right time? very he's got
2: voice lines but only for like i have done the like, smallest what? and irrelevant things
0: yeah like ah, this is new power yeah Like, how is it like and then i don't know i just think it's weird that like he can talk to his students but i, I just think it's weird that he talks but doesn't talk like Mario is, is dead silent, right? And he's, like, he's funny about it. He mimes stuff. He, he mimics stuff. But, like, Link, er, er, byleth doesn't say anything, but, like, then has text options towards his students, which, I mean, I guess Link has done that too before, but I don't know. It just but they, it's not working for me in Fire Emblem.
1: In Zelda, they would always cut to black, and, like, it was implied that he's talking to them and telling them things, usually, unless it's, like, a yes or no, or, like, the entire answer is yeah. cut out there. But in this, you just kind of see him nod point put hand to chin look up at sky quizzically
2: hmm and then so i don't disagree that byleth as a a protagonist is well boring lacking but yeah but that being said i will say like when when the game first came out and because i got it a few days i think after you did andy um, and I got to play for like maybe a couple hours when I first got it, and then I there was a couple of days in between where I just couldn't. But like when I my first impressions of it when I when I saw it was like, huh, this reminds me of Link, you know this this character who, as you said, David, you know is just is meant to be projected upon or is a blank slate for you to f- kind of fill in the blanks or the fill in the details, but. So like when when I went on Twitter and and Facebook and and Discord, and, you know everybody's like, I love everything about Fire Emblem Three Houses, except for the character I play, <laughs> and I and I was like, well, interesting that you say that because we for thirty years we've been absolutely one hundred percent okay with it. Um, you know,
0: I I think it's just the style of game though that's that's the problem. Yeah. I, I, I agree, it's like you play a silent, like, in Skyward Sword, you, you have the same kind of thing where, like, Link has different dialogue options, and, like, that's fine, but then in this game, you do the same thing, but, like, it just sucks, and I think it's because, like, Crom was so good, and Lucina was so good.
2: you kind of and, been like, spoiled, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you go from that, you're just like, who is this, who's this Byleth guy with green hair, like, get this Joker out of here, you know?
2: I'm actually really curious as to why they decided to take a step back from that. Like, it would be really cool to get kind of get inside the developers' heads and and figure out. Okay, you know, we've had Corrin, we've had Lucina, we've had all the you know, uh, Robin, all these different you know protagonists and stuff. Crom, in in previous Fire Emblem games, who have such forces of personality. Even when you're playing as them and, and choosing different reactions and stuff like that, like. Why they would decide? Okay, we're gonna take a step back, and in this new one, we're just gonna create the blank slate that the player avatar could have been. I, I don't
1: could have been time constraints because I know it was delayed once already. Before it came out, and then not not saying, and then I'm not saying like a month would have made a difference with that, but well, and
2: he does have voice lines, so it seems like they they might have actually intended for him to be a voice character. The but other
1: the other thing is, I know I think it was the original voice actor for him gotten some uh, uh some real legal world troubles. some real world legal troubles, and because they replaced his voice in Fire Emblem Heroes, the mobile game. Um, Wait, was his away. original voice actor? um Christopher Neosi I think oh oh to. okay I, okay
2: yeah um gotcha
1: and so I there, that could have been it maybe they originally planned more and then backed off but I think that came out right after the game came out so I don't and, the, and yeah, yeah I, don't I, I
0: don't think that would have had an effect
1: yeah it, um
0: yeah it, it's it's a little bit disappointing I think Byleth is like like he's cool but he is. You know, you, you hear people the whole game just saying, like, how charismatic and how everyone would follow him to the end of the of the earth. And it's, like, it's a little bit hard because, like, you're just like, this guy is, like, a piece of stale toast. He's just room well, at temperature the very least, water. They,
2: at the very least, they kind of provide somewhat of a reason for it. At least as far as I've played through, like, you know, the fact that he's supposed to be this emotionless warrior on the bo- on the battlefield who shows yeah. you know nothing and just mercilessly slaughters his foes and you know that's kind of a cool concept and gives kind of context to it but at the same time like like you said you know a lot of characters comment how outside of the battlefield he's supposed to actually be this you know like this leader type charismatic person who's very friendly and very uh very caring towards you know his charges so I don't know, it, it seems really weird.
0: Alright, so tell me if you guys agree with this or not. I think that getting, like, raising support between units for Byleth for is actually quite hard. Like, far harder than it was for, like, Krom or Robin or Corrin in previous games. Like, I was at the end of my playthrough in the Black Eagle house, and I was just like, God damn it! I don't have any A supports, like, I have to marry Sothis now. So, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I just did it wrong, because, like, I have an A support now in my second playthrough, so maybe I did, but I find that getting getting support is harder in this game than has been in the previous um, 3DS Fire Emblem games. What, do you, am I just, like, doing it wrong? What do you guys think?
2: I think you're doing it wrong. By Chapter 7 in Part 1, I had a B support with Annette, and uh, I almost had an S support before the time skip. So
1: coming out of the time skip, I hit
2: three a
1: supports in one like section like I was just because I, I would been I had been giving items to people thinking okay this is going to raise the support but it didn't seem to progress past that. So I think some of them are locked to post time post time
2: skip too they definitely are because yeah, they they're, are they're kids yeah. in in the first part <laughs> right it's, well, well, so well I, I, I mean technically, some it, them. it
0: says this will take some time to develop yeah. i think that that's your post time skip well and i'm seeing
1: um, i'm seeing support. on my playthrough now there's a couple that say this support will become available after the war
2: yeah and i'm, I'm seeing it's that basically like of any them. of the any of the students you can form an s support with um are locked to an A support prior to the time skip or B support? Well, I No, forget.
0: actually, so any supports that you have, you don't, other than other than Byleth himself when he gives the ring to uh, whoever, that happens post-game, but like nobody else can get an S support until post-game, and you actually don't find out who ends up with who until the credits roll in, and you know how when you play Fire Emblem, they kind of give you the, the write-up on every character and, and their future after the game? Like, you don't find out and who's with who until that moment?
2: Well, other other people can't form as support. At least in prior Fire Emblem games, they can't form as supports until your main character has, because that determines. Like the game literally waits for you to make a choice, because, you know, they don't they don't want to lock you out. And then once you've made that choice, then everybody else gets together. Um, I don't know if it's the I, same in Three Houses, because again, like I said, I, I, I haven't wanna, beaten it yet. I want to
0: fact check on that. I don't believe that's true.
2: I'm I'm pretty sure, like I don't think you can S support with other people.
0: That's that sounds. We, we right. need our we need our CNN fact check here.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so, somebody let us know. I you know I I could be wrong. Yeah, but, I could like, be wrong. I've um, never okay. I've never in all of my Fire Emblem playthroughs ever been able to S support someone prior to my main character S supporting. So I don't know.
0: You know, and you're right. Like maybe it's just because like your main character always is in the thick of the actions. So, like they just. You know, get the S support and you do it before you think about it. I, I, you, you could be right, I'm not sure. Um, Alright, let's 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 talk about one gameplay feature before we go into story here. Divine Pulse. Yay or nay?
2: I like it.
1: I, I like it in the sense of that I can oops, I accidentally moved him there and I didn't mean to do that. Let me back that up. But I'm also playing on Babby mode. I'm playing casual, easy, or casual and normal because I'm more focused on the story. I care more about that than I do the difficulty curve necessarily. So. Right.
2: As someone so who, I, go ahead, Andy. Uh,
0: I, I was just going to say like, so I'm playing on hard, but I'm playing on casual and um, like, I, like I kind of like it, but it's like, what's a good example here. It's like in super Mario sunshine when you had flood and you could jump, but like your jumps didn't have to be exactly precise. Cause you had flood and you could hover for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it's it's mm-hmm. nice, but it's uh, I I do I, I don't know that I'd want to see it come back. But uh, you know, I'm glad it's there for more like newer players to the series because I think that this will probably be a lot of people's first Fire Emblem game.
2: That's my but, feeling. Um, like yeah. I, I as a player of Fire Emblems, so I've been playing Fire Emblem for a while now. Like I'm I'm used to picking classic mode or you know a hard mode, whatever it's called in in, in each game, and you know, knowing and living with the fact that you know, if I lose a character, I lose that character, and I like it. it it's something that not a lot of games do, uh, especially in this um, in this type of game. Uh, so, that being said, the Divine Pulse, I think, is is a great it's a great innovation for you know bringing those newcomers into the series because. Fire Emblem I think despite its its newfound popularity is still is still a, a game that struggles like if if Fire Emblem Awakening hadn't been as successful as it was the series was quite possibly going to die this is a little and
1: I have a quick idea here I, this is a little off topic but to me I when I think of it I look at Fire Emblem Awakening is to the Fire Emblem series what Ocarina was to Zelda and and Three Houses is to the series what Breath of the Wild was to Zelda and I'm not saying that Zelda was in dire need of a smash hit when Ocarina came out but it had been a while since there had been a Zelda game out and so
0: yeah I think that's totally fair to say and
1: bringing in those, yeah. bringing in those new players those new fans having that feature in there I think is a really nice thing for them
2: and I think that the only way the Fire Emblem uh, yeah, I... series is going to continue to grow, too, is if they have that new kind of fan base or that new following from, from people who are newcomers to the series who have the, you know, ideas of, you know, how, how Fire Emblem could improve. Because, you know, we we always have our, our diehard Fire Emblem fans who, you know, have been comfortable with the series for the longest time, so, you know, it doesn't... They they're not bothered by some of the elements of the game that kind of turn off newer players.
0: Yeah, I I think my my thoughts on Divine Pauls is like I love that it's there, but like I also hate that it's there because like, then I'm just like yeah. tempted to use it, and then my pride is like don't use Divine Pauls, play like or you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I, I I think
0: I I, I do like it.
2: I like it. I think that you should not be able to upgrade how many times you can use it because it gets pretty crazy. You can use it up to what, like seven or eight times if you if you you restore all the statues. Fifteen times. Yeah, so like I think that you know maybe two or three uses that should be the max. And then I'd be okay. I wonder
0: if you get lower divine pulse uses on like lunatic difficulty or something like that.
2: I don't know. I haven't tried it yet.
0: Uh, which host did everybody take?
2: Blue Lions.
1: Black
0: Eagles. <laughs> Blue Lions. Loser. We'll
1: crush you under
2: oh the my foot God.
0: of the... Black Eagles. We'll crush you so under I took the, the Black Eagles. Eagles. I'm on my Golden Deer playthrough right now.
2: And, and everybody's just like, who, who? <laughs> can someone in the back say Lester Alliance? Dead silence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, You know, I have read what happens on every... So there's actually four paths. There's not... There's not three like everybody thought, but there's four because you can side with the Church of Saros as well. Um, I think that Black Eagle is by far the most interesting story, and I'm glad that we took it uh, first of all. And I think that like most people are taking Black Eagle, and I think that that's probably good because I, I really do think that that's legitimately the best story so far.
2: I'm pretty interested with where Blue Lion is going. I think um, there's a lot of hints in the Hogwarts portion where... You know, not everything with that house is kinda as it seems, especially concerning Dimitri. Um and and there's there's so much to it too. Like you you really gotta flesh out supports with a lot of the characters in, in the blue lion house to kinda get the full idea of what's going on. But Dimitri always just kinda like intrigued me with this like he's a very sweet, generous person on the outside, but like every other character mentions that there is there's something beneath that is not so great uh, especially, um, uh, what's his name? His, his best friend, Felix. Yeah. If, like Felix is the biggest one that kind of says it in your face that he, he's not who he's, who he seems. Yeah, I really but after that. the time skip, like it re- it comes out and you really see how broken of an individual he is. And it's really, uh, it's really fascinating to me and I, and I, I'm loving every bit of it so far. So,
0: so I, I want to talk about Claude here for a second. Cause he's like, you know, I, I think that a lot of people uh, really took to him. I think he's a lot of people's favorite of the house leaders. Um, he is like the schemer. And I'm... Um, the Han I kind of read... Yeah. Pretty much. So I, I kind of read his story a little bit, but then I stopped myself because I was like, I was like, okay, well, I'm playing Golden Deer right now. So I want to be able to, uh, to experience his story. But like, I think that like he he is a character i think is really good so far he's he's definitely not what he seems either um i think that like the the dude who, who voiced him uh i don't know his name but he he did an exceptional job like i think that like you i i think that everybody did a really exceptional job in this game voice acting wise but like he is he's really nailed down the the performance of that character i think that's like i'm you know you would know taylor i'm not like as into voice acting as you are but i i appreciate it when i hear it when it's done really well and i think that he was done really well so i wanted to give him a shout out for that
2: he's he's definitely got personality and
1: he's had some fun with it on social media like i remember when the release came out he was talking about i saw a video of him saying yeah, like oh yeah so happy for everybody have the game you know you all pick the house that you want to pick and, and then you know at the, across the bottom scrolls the the, the golden deer logo and then he's like, you know, and hey, I made it through a whole video without a Claude gimmick. And then he pulls out a bow, shoots the camera, and backflips over the couch.
0: <laughs> but dude, Claude's backflip is so sick. When he when he dodges somebody's attack, backflips and shoots them is absolutely unreal.
1: The the best voice acting thing I've seen though is the guy that voices um, Sedith. He's been recording. People have been sending him on Twitter and on stuff like that. Um, Seth, Seth says, and he reads these out. So like, there's one about him talking about, um, you know, Edelgard destroying his house in Minecraft, and he's asking the professor to go deal with her.
2: <laughs> and it's, it's very David hater.
1: Yeah, it's it's awesome.
0: Um, I think that the best character though is hands down Edelgard. Oh, Annette is like a a blip. I I can't even picture what Annette looks like. To be totally honest with you,
1: uh,
2: I hate you so much.
1: Is she?
0: Yeah, sorry, but she, is she sucks. She,
1: is she short blonde hair? Like, no, like... short red hair. Oh, okay. Nope. All
0: right, that's enough about Annette. <laughs> nobody nobody cares about Annette. Everybody cares about Edelgard. She is, she's like Boring. the Daenerys Targaryen of this story, and I and I love it. She, I think she's the most interesting character for sure.
2: That's um, why she's boring to me, actually, because I, I see all those similarities that you're pouring out to her. And I'm like, look, I've seen this movie before. <laughs> why, why do I have to watch it again?
0: All right, be quiet. D- David, let's talk a little bit. Okay, all right, <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> Were you? Did you see the uh, the Flame Emperor thing
1: coming? I did not, but I remember hearing the voice. I was floored. I remember hearing the voice, and I'm like, this sounds like, and then I, when it happened, I was like, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh! And I had I had to kind of stop for a minute.
0: I I couldn't believe it. Taylor, did you? Are you at the? I know you're at the time skip, or just about there. Did you? You you've seen the reveal of who the Flame Emperor is, right?
2: Yeah. Okay, so I, it's about thirty seconds. Edelgard ago. is the Flame Emperor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it might as well have been. But um, I don't know. Like, so I like I like her as a character. I think that um. I think that that was that was definitely a good twist, but I think also like if people are familiar with the fact that she's so sim similar to Daenerys, and I think if you're super paying attention to you know everything that's going on, and I think if you go certain support routes, like it it kind of gets really obvious.
0: I don't know that there was, I think that like
2: I, I did, think if you hold weren't on, surprised on. by that, I didn't guess it. I didn't guess it. Like, when it happened, I, w- I was surprised. But then when I thought on it, I was like, oh, that In actually makes a yes. lot of sense. But I think, like, I I don't know. This is something I heard from someone else, and they were saying that, like, there are a lot of Black Eagle support routes. Like, if you go, um uh, like, a fair, fair way through them, you can kind of sort of predict where it's going to go.
0: I mean, so there are a lot of, like, retrospectively looking back, like, you find out that Edelgard was experimented on by people, and uh, now bears a really uh, strong crest, and so all of her siblings died as a result of these experiments, and she bears like a, uh, a resentment guilt. against the church, and against crests in general, and against nobles, and she basically wants to like break the wheel, as Daenerys might have said, and like looking, looking back, in my second playthrough there is a lot of hints where you can see leading up to it, like um, the ones who slither in the dark will say, like, will say things like, you know, we we built all this to, to power you up, or, like, we experimented to on all of this dark magic and stuff that the Flame Emperor disagrees with in order to build you up. And, like, you do see the Flame Emperor kind of say a couple different times, like, like, let's join up, or, like, let's, like, don't do this, this is wrong. And, it, like, so she's not an evil character, but you can definitely tell that um you know she her mission is to destroy the church and to be fair the church of saros in this game is is definitely not on the up and up like raya you had it in your nose taylor you were kind of confused if raya was supposed to be a villain or not i think like both of those are definitely up for debate you could argue you know raya edelgard both of them have heroic and villainous qualities but like i mean the church definitely doesn't have clean hands so to speak
2: right i wasn't i did I uh, this is the the difficult thing because like because I haven't beaten the game yet but um I did just the way that it it comes across to me especially the fact that like from what I know like her being good or bad also really depends on which route you take so like if you're Blue Lions she's kind of like neutral um because you can kind of ask her to. Never mind. We'll we'll get into that later. But if if she's in another, if you go another route, like you have to kill her or something like that, or you guys would know better because I mean, Andy, you're almost two right. Well, through. I mean, you you
0: you take the Edelgard uh, route. Obviously, Rhea is portrayed is as bad. a villain, and she's far right. more villainous. I think that she, from what I understand, in the in her best light, obviously the Church route is her her in her best light. And you learn about what she did to to Byleth and why he is the way he is in that route. I think in the in the Blue Lion route, that's probably the as, as positive as you're gonna get aside from the Church route. And then, like in the Golden Deer, she's very neutral so far. Like Claude is definitely suspicious of her and what she's been up to. But um, yeah, I, so I I just hit the time skip, and I'm really excited to see where that goes.
2: Yeah, I, I'm still trying to figure out like. Uh what she's so she's like she's this dragon right who might possibly party. actually be saros right
0: um no so david you could correct me if i'm wrong i think saros was supposed to be Sothis, yeah, actually
1: yeah i think so
2: oh okay see th- that's where i'm confused like i'm trying to figure out who like rae is supposed to be but like she's She's... she's this dragon who wants to bring back Saros, right? Or there, back...
0: there is a lot of mythology that is in Claude's playthrough where you find out more about Nemesis and you find out more about Saros. So I, right. I'll let you know kind of as I get there. Okay. But um, yeah, from my understanding, Sothis was Saros and um, Rhea is just kind of like her vessel.
2: So that in, that's in probably one of my only problems with Fire Emblem Three Houses. And this is, again, like. This is something that I just have a problem with in all Fire Emblem games is that like a lot of these things that you're never going to find out unless you pursue literally every support in the game. And while I like the concept of, you know, wanting to explore all that kind of stuff, I think certain things that might be really, really important to plot or story or at least in helping you understand what's actually going on should not be locked away behind something that is potentially unseeable I agree. in a certain playthrough. I agree with so, that. So like things like Rhea, Rhea's backstory or Rhea's stuff, like a lot of it is out in the open once you hit the time skip and things like that. But there's also I feel like a, a huge chunk of it that's just locked away and, and kinda leaves you wondering, well what it what is she doing? Like why why is is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? Is she neutral? What it what is she doing? So
0: yeah, I don't think that there's good guys and bad guys necessarily in this game. Just like yeah, there's a lot characters of characters
1: coming at it. Yeah, a lot of gray gray areas for people to go depending on either your personal ideologies or your or the characters that you're with and their beliefs and stuff.
2: Right, it's very uh, very human story.
1: It's all it's all a matter from a certain point of view, right?
2: Exactly. Thank Wars you, Obi Wan. <laughs>
0: Alright, let's wrap it up here uh, really quickly. Um, rapid fire here. What do you think the DLC is going to be about? Um, I feel like it's either going to be the war that we saw in the preview between Nemesis and Seros, or it could be the war against those who slither in the dark.
1: I like the latter. the Against those who slither in the dark.
2: Um, Again, I'm at a bit of a disadvantage here having not completed it yet, but uh, I would probably err on the side of those who slither in the dark. I think that the, the conflict really between Nemesis there. and Saros would be too too large in scale for just a DLC, awesome. you know? Yeah, it would be awesome, yeah, but it you know would what, be I, a bit big. You know big. What, I guess
0: that, that could be, like, its own game, really, if they wanted yeah. to do another Fire Emblem. Which I think that they should. But, um, yeah... I think that would be really cool. I'm looking forward to getting that DLC. Uh, I've already sunk like a stupid amount of hours into Fire Emblem. I think what I'm going to do is run Blue Lions before that DLC comes out, because I'm going to put down Fire Emblem after I'm done my second playthrough. Do Blue S- Lions after the DLC. Uh, who is Ned again?
2: Wow. <laughs> I'm I'll, done with you. I'll
1: I'll see if I can find her tonight and because I'm going to be playing tonight. Oh, but I'm Black Eagle so I'm probably going to go have to. Ki- I'm, I'm going to go kill her. She's oh, an amazing She's
2: an amazing Black Mage, by the way. <laughs> Just saying. Like oh, when she. Okay. She she's uh basically your your reason uh okay. character on the blue lion side and then um Mercedes is your your healer. Gotcha. Um oh, I'm gonna, so you, I'm going
0: to marry Mercedes actually in my playthrough right now. We've got Mercedes
2: a is pretty cool. I I like her. She
0: sounds like Luna Lovegood.
2: You're right. You're so right. Oh my god. Does she sound exactly like her? I didn't think about that. Holy hell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. right, that's
0: enough about Annette. And that is enough of us for this week. My god, we've run long, but I think that we gave you a really good show all about Fire Emblem and all about Legend of Zelda. So, um, yeah, tell us what you'd like to see in a Zelda Fire Emblem crossover for all you guys uh, that stuck through our fire emblem talk towards the end with three houses uh thank you and i hope that you have a chance to play it and are enjoying it um that's going to do it for us for this week you can head on over to Podbean, itunes like subscribe comment leave a review if you leave us a snazzy review we'll read it out loud for everybody to hear um you can head over to twitter you can find me at spateri 316 you can find taylor at gif underscore Bluehawk. you can find david at david wayne 09 and uh david thank you for joining us this week my, friend. Yeah, my pleasure
1: it was always a lot of fun
2: always nice having fresh blood
0: I, yeah i think uh, we'll have to do this again and uh and i look forward to that that's it for us for this week have a good week guys and we will